Hello, hello. Welcome back. It's Tony here for Leading Women in Tech. I have a very special episode for you today. In fact, I have three special episodes back to back um, over the next three weeks for you. They are based on a conversation that actually was recorded on LinkedIn about being the only woman in the room. Me and my dear friend, Mika Gobig, who has previously been on the podcast, you might recognize her voice. We did a series of LinkedIn Lives earlier this year, and I wanted to share with you the discussion we had. We had three conversations. The first one, which I'm going to share with you today, is all about what it means to be the only woman in the room, the downsides, the not great stuff, the icky stuff. But we wanted to show you that it can get better. And so over the next three weeks of this podcast, we're going to be sharing conversations with you me and Mika and actually the second episode is going to be a panel of guests we had on executives from the world of tech discussing this very topic because we want to inspire you so without further ado let's bring you this first very special episode of being the only woman in the room here over on leading women in tech you're listening to the leading woman in tech podcast where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech the techniques tips and strategies you can use to become a standout leader i'm your host tony collis tech leadership coach strategist and coffee lover and in each episode i share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple but inevitable whether you're on the way to the c-suite an emerging leader or a budding entrepreneur This is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Hey, hello, everybody. Welcome to our LinkedIn Live series on being the only woman in the room. Um, Let's start with introductions. I am Tony Collis, success, leadership coach, executive coach, specializing in women in tech. I was a woman in tech myself until I became a full-time coach. And I fundamentally believe that we need more women in leadership around the world in technology, not just for us as individuals as women, but because the human race actually desperately needs more women making decisions in technology without 51% of the human race being represented. We are 51% as women. We are making poor decisions and technology is so pervasive that it's so damaging to us as a species and to the planet. So that's why I do what I do. But without further ado, let me hand over to my co-host, Mika, today to introduce herself. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, or whatever you are in the world. Uh, uh, my name is Mika Golbig. I am based in Seattle, Washington. And Tony and I connected over that mission to see 51% of women in power positions. Uh, I always say during my lifetime, preferably while I'm still lucid, which gives us another I don't know, uh, conservatively 30 years. So let's let's get this going. Uh, what I personally do, I am the CEO and founder of Gobit Coaching and Communications. I am basically a confidence builder for women in tech and other male-dominated industries. But as everything is becoming tech these days, so that's really... That's really my focus. My background is in the German luxury car industry, very male dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's where I'm coming from. And when I moved from Germany to Seattle, I realized 
that these fabulous women I meet here who work for yeah, tech companies, startups, more mature companies, um, they are talking about the same issues or, or are struggling with the same issues that I've been hearing from women in older uh, male-dominated industries like the car industry, but also commercial real estate, finance, uh, those fields for decades. And yeah. those are younger companies and it's still the same BS. So yeah. I think that's where the two of us bonded and we are talking about a lot of those issues today, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, so today we're talking about not just being the only woman in the room. This is the first of three special LinkedIn lives that we've got scheduled. But this one in particular is to talk about why it's tough being the only woman in the room. We want to give everybody listening to this, whether you are an ally of women or you're a woman yourself, we want to give permission to feel uncomfortable, to recognize it can be tough being the only woman in the room. We think it's really important that we do have that. We're going to actually take a moment to describe, like, what does it mean to be the only woman in the room? Because sometimes mm -hmm. that definition is a bit ambiguous. But this session today is actually giving voice to what it means to be the only woman in the room. And then in the next two sessions, we're going to shake things up a bit. And we're actually going to be finishing on a high with how great it can be to be the only woman in the room. There are silver linings. In my opinion, there's a silver lining to everything. But today we're giving you space to feel a little bit uncomfortable um, and, and acknowledge how sometimes it can really feel negative when you are the only woman in the room. Um, just to signpost where we're going today, though, let's give you a flavor of what we've got coming up. The first thing we're going to do is chat through what it means to be the only woman in the room, give you some definitions. We're then going to give you the results of the poll that both Mika and I posted a couple of weeks ago. Uh, where we asked, what is the greatest challenge about being the only woman in the room? We were quite surprised by the results on that, by the way. So mm -hmm. we'll give you a little bit of a breakdown of that. And then we're going to talk through some of those key attributes, what it means to be seen but not heard, what it means to have to do more than your peers, daily sexism, microaggressions, lack of role models. And then we're going to wrap up with what can you do? Where can you start both as an ally or gathering allies, but also as a woman who is the only woman in the room herself, what can you do? And that's where we're going throughout the rest of the session. Um, before we dig into what it means to be the only woman in the room, um, Mika, have you got anything to add at this point? Yeah, I would like to add that if you're seeing that live, please share in the chat where mm. you are, uh, what you're struggling with, your comments, we would really like to to hear from you and 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 see how things land with you, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, we've done a poll, but uh, of course that doesn't mean that these are the only issues. And I think the more that we can have this conversation as a community, the better. The more we're going to be able to actually acknowledge what's going on and, and do something about it, both as individuals and as a broader community, like actually tackling this stuff. Um, so let's let's dig into, first of all, what it means to be the only woman in the room, because sometimes it isn't just I'm literally the only woman in the room. Uh, Mika, like, I know you and I have had a bit of a conversation about this, but do you want to explain a little bit more what it means to you to be the only woman in the room? Yeah, I feel it really does not necessarily exclusively have to be that you are the only woman on your team. Mm -hmm. um, the sense of I don't. It's, it's more about the sense of, 
I don't fully belong. And yeah. that can happen. That can happen if you are literally the only woman in a uh, in a team on a project. Uh, maybe you work for a tiny startup. Maybe maybe you're in a in a really brand new startup, and you are literally the only woman in the company. Those things still happen a lot. But it can also be that there's just a very small group, and mm -hmm. that everybody else just uh, looks very different from you. Maybe you're not the only woman, but maybe you're the only woman of color mm -hmm. or the only person of color. So that's, mm -hmm. that's a very, that's uh, in, in the way we talk about it today, that's a very comparable experience. Huh? Yeah. There are some added layers, but the basics uh, overlap. Yeah, 100%. And I've also, you know, I've worked enough with so many different women. I think one of the other times it can feel like, why do I feel this way is, we might not be the only woman in the room in that room in that moment, but you're the only woman representing a particular business unit. So obviously, you know, both you and I, we work with executives a lot. And I think one of the challenges is there are an increasing number of women executives, which is fabulous. But one of the challenges that I've seen is when there's a female executive with 100 men behind her that she's leading and right. she's the voice of those 100 men. And I think there's this pressure to acquiesce to them because they're, you know, potentially they've got jobs that we've never done as a leader because, you know, you can't possibly have done all those jobs if you manage teams of hundreds or thousands, right? You can't actually right. do that. That is not your job. <laughs> and sometimes exactly. being the only one in the room is being the voice of a team that's majority male, even if mm -hmm. your voice is within a circle of a, a better gender divide. Yep. Yep. So there are many, many different aspects mm -hmm. to this sense of being under greater pressure of mm -hmm. not fully belonging. It's it's mm -hmm. somewhere between those those two poles. Yeah. And uh, so whatever you don't have to you don't have to be the only woman in the room to uh, feel the things we are talking mm -hmm. about. And you don't have to apologize for feeling that yeah. way. I think that's also a very, very important thing to say up front. Even if there are three women on your team, it doesn't matter yes. if you feel this way. A hundred percent. I think we do need, I think part of this particular live stream today is acknowledging that if you feel this way, that isn't wrong. Whatever your particular situation, I suddenly have been in the place where I've had, I was very lucky at one point in my career, my line manager, my skip boss, and my skip, skip boss were all women. But I still felt, I felt incredibly lonely for many complicated reasons. And also, you know, when we get queen bees and stuff like that, which is the term I was hoping we would never have to use again, but they are still there. These female leaders ahead of us who slam the door shut, who think there's no space at the top. Yes, there are other women around you, but it can feel, it can actually feel more lonely than if, you legitimately were the only woman in the room. So hold space right. for that. Let's, let's, cause you know, you and I could just have a entire live stream just talking about that. Like, what does it mean? But we do have a lot to get through. So um, let me start with the poll summary and then we're gonna dig into some of this stuff in detail. So we asked, what is the greatest challenge about being the only woman in the room? And so we had four suggested answers um, and actually they took all of, all of their answers and nobody added anything, which I thought was interesting. The, Lowest response, 14% of responses came down to the one I thought was actually going to be quite high up there because what we're told is the common issue, which is 14% responded lack of role models. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I genuinely thought that was going to be a bigger issue. It is fascinating to me. It's not. Um, we don't have enough data to really say, you know, is there a spread there across, you know, early career, later career women. But 14% is quite a low number from what we were, certainly what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. The second highest at 20% was having to do more work than our peers. We're definitely digging into that one more in just a minute. The third, 23%, was daily sexism and microaggressions. I suppose I am pleasantly surprised, which might seem a strange thing to say, but pleasantly surprised it's only 23%. Mm. I wish it was zero, but from the work I do, I'm sort of surprised it's only 23%. Now, we did say, what is the greatest challenge? So it isn't that other women aren't experiencing this. It's just not the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge by a country mile at 43%, was not being seen or heard, which is the first thing we're going to dig into right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like, let's talk about not being seen or heard. What does what does that mean to you? Like, we both have our own interpretations of that. What does it mean to you? The one I hear most often, and uh, that is both with clients and in private conversations, because being in Seattle, of course, uh, many many of my friends work in tech, and uh, we all have to do with tech, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the most common example I hear is being in a meeting, making a suggestion, nobody responding. Mm. And then two minutes later, a guy saying almost the same or really literally the same thing. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, that sounds, let's talk about that. That's great. Mm. And I mean, just imagine this happens to you. And I mean, I know a lot of people who, who watch this have had this happen. And the, the frustration, the, what's, what is this? Am I, am I invisible? Mm. That feeling, that's, that's a very, very tough one to navigate. In, incredibly tough. Yeah. It doesn't make sense because you heard yourself say it and you're like, mm-hmm. I, did, I, did I just dream that? And... And it's so unfair and uh, the response can reach from frustration and and to shock, to anger, to just about anything. Uh, nothing positive, usually at that point. And uh, then your attention shifts to those moments too, right? And you you see more of them. And that does that doesn't, of course, not make it better. Usually yeah. the opposite. So that's that's where I where I would place the majority of these issues. How about you? I, I think that is definitely a big one. Um, I do think it goes hand in hand though with our. This is gonna. It could very easily come across as victim blaming here, and that is not my intention. But our societal indoctrination as women says that we should be seen and not heard. We should be pretty, making everybody else happy. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't rock the boat. So even if we've moved through life. And realize, you know what, I'm actually okay rocking the boat. I'm one of them. <laughs> uh, early in my life, I didn't want to rock the boat. Now I'm I'm totally down with it. But there is still some resistance in me. Like mm. I know I'm going to make somebody uncomfortable. And um, I've actually been recently working with a voice coach um, for public speaking because I don't think we're ever done with being coached. And she's pointed out to me that I, I physically make myself smaller sometimes. Mm. And I think, and and that's just, I'm pretty sure it's societal conditioning be seen yeah. and not heard but don't make a fuss 
And I wasn't even aware of doing that. And I'm paid to fly around the world and talk to people, right? So if I'm doing that, what was I doing when I was in corporate? And I do think part of this can be, not always, and I do think there's a lot to be said for other people just ignoring it. Absolutely. Part of it is us making ourselves smaller. Um, I work with many clients who are just a little bit nervous about stating their idea. Or they say, but I said that. And actually, if you record the conversation, the male peers who get heard have said it three times. We say it once, very short, very sweet. And I, I massive generalizations here. But I do think there is a piece of this puzzle, which is around our presence, executive presence, gravitas, whatever you want to call it, of actually right. holding space for yourself at this table, saying, I'm the only woman in the room and I'm going to hold this space anyway. And I think that is really, really hard for us with all the societal conditioning we have. I don't know how you feel about that one, Mika. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Um, there is obviously you are at the table, which means you have yeah. you deserve this this seat at the table, right? Mm -hmm. But if you are not sure about that, a lot it of the others off. won't either. I mean, on the one hand, there are obviously people who feel you deserve your seat at the table, mm -hmm. you are a, val uh, a valuable voice there, but it, that's not everybody because the, I mean, you don't, they don't kumbala and make up the, 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 mm -hmm. uh, the group of participants. So you still have to be the one who believes that yeah. this is your seat and you are the best person to occupy that seat. And that's where the executive presence comes in, which is, Uh, which is less about charisma and these things where we always feel like it's a natural thing. Be um, it's a lot about training. And of course, mm -hmm. as you said, it's a lot about uh, how society has conditioned us. I always feel that it's a little easier for only children, mm. for instance, um, or it, it depends where you come from. I mean, Growing up in, like you in the UK, like me in Germany, uh, lots of our viewers in the US, uh, we still have that conditioning of women, of girls having to be nice and pretty and hopefully not, not, not loud yeah, and not causing yeah. trouble. But there are a lot of cultures where that conditioning is so much stronger still. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you are, when you belong to, That that is uh, those ethnicities, those cultural backgrounds, and it's even harder to take the seat at the table and overcome this. One hundred percent. I think you hit the nail on the head there. So, well, what can we do? Um, what what is what would you say is the number one thing if you are worried about not being seen or heard? We've given you some ideas of what might be going on. What would you suggest, Mika, that we should? What is the first step we should be taking? So, I think it's uh, there are two things. Uh, what you do about what, how you work on yourself, because we need to change society, but it's taking time. So it's two pillars, uh, society change there and, and my mindset. So mm -hmm. I feel the, the social, the outward piece is to find yourself an ally on your team or in the project, in that group who's meeting, I don't know, uh, a person who can really uh, support you on the one hand where you can vent about it 
um, and also say, hey, if you see that happening, would you speak up? Huh? Please mm. just watch out a little. Uh, just uh, really uh, augment my voice here. And uh, that might be the first step. I know that, again, that's uncomfortable. Most women don't like to ask for help. But, uh, I mean, there's no comfortable way to improve that situation. Mm -hmm. Whatever whatever we're suggesting, nothing of that is comfortable, right? So this yeah. is the external way. Maybe you sh you'll share about the mindset work our viewers can do. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say, actually, like part of the mindset work, I think, is getting some real feedback. So if you have mm -hmm. an ally, somebody you really trust, take the brave step and maybe the mindset work is actually asking for feedback. I still struggle with this. Like my job is coaching. I have two coaches right now and I still struggle to ask for feedback. Um, I think, you know, there's something in my past that just, I always worry that I'm going to be judged. So if you need to do the mindset work for that piece, then that's the thing to lean into, get uncomfortable, but get some genuine feedback. Ask, hey, was I really talked over there? Or is there something I could do to be more assertive? Am I being assertive enough? I think mm -hmm. it's really hard as women for us to get that assertiveness right. Um, because, you know, assertive, aggressive, there's that whole debate. That's a whole other live stream, right? <laughs> um, but get some genuine feedback to see where you need to be working on. And that will probably tell you in terms of mindset what you need to be working on. Well, it's all in our heads it's almost impossible to make the right choice because mm. our brains are telling us all the bad things about ourselves. You need that third party, ideally multiple people to give us that insight. I think that's that would be my number one go-to, get some other multiple people's inputs on what's really going on, validate or get some new hypotheses. And then from there you can create an action plan for actually getting heard, yeah? Okay, love it. Let's move on to number two because we could talk about that one all day. We're already a little bit stepping on our schedule here to get everything done <laughs> in the <laughs> session. So the second one was having to do more work than our peers. Um, and we actually had a longer answer, and then when we put in the poll out, we had to like shorten it. But certainly to me, doing more work than my peers is having to do more work than my peers to get acknowledged at the same mm -hmm. level. Yeah, right? yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. What we're talking here, again, is something I have commonly heard. Um, primarily, it's proof over promise. Mm. That's that's what we're seeing that, for instance, just recent example, uh, a younger woman, uh, early end of early career, into mid-career, just... Uh, asking about her next prom her, her promotion steps and what she had to deliver. And she basically had to work her behind off uh, just to fulfill all these things and get her promotion. And a younger male colleague who joined a couple of months after she did got a promotion with her and he hadn't even been on the team when the team delivered results. So that was a very, very clear case he will deliver the results most likely, right? It's not about him not, it's not about her being better than him or him, whatever. It's really about she had to show first that she can do it. And he got his promotion on the promise that people believe mm. he can do it. And this, I've heard that 
that scenario pretty often too, as well as on a, on a level, several levels higher up where I've, uh, where women are struggling to get the promotions for their teams, yeah. for their team yeah. members, like VPs, getting the promotion for their people and being afraid that people might not want to work in a unit run by a woman if the woman gets fewer promotions for her managers or, or senior people than uh, her male colleague. So that is yeah. an actual problem where you probably if we have more data someone someone can actually put put a, a number on this what this costs yeah. women in income um mm -hmm. yeah and plus of course the mental uh struggle an emotional struggle that comes with yeah that that you're you're right there the struggle that comes with just the added weight of knowing that you're having to do more than your male peers yeah. to get the same level or less um, it is so exhausting. And I think, you know, this can ultimately lead to burnout because as we both mm -hmm. know, burnout is caused by stress. And if you're always having to do more than your peers, that is just going to be stressful. Even if you're okay with doing that much work, that level of this is unfair causes stress in us, which yeah. ultimately burnout, right? I do also want to point out how this links up to the one we were just talking about not being seen or heard. I think one of the reasons why, and I'm just making this up because I have not got any data on this, <laughs> but for me, it makes a huge amount of sense that one of the reasons why we have to do more than our peers is because our results are not being seen and heard. Would you agree with that mm -hmm. one? Yeah. Yeah. I think there is, there's a huge piece there. And also what I'm seeing is with a lot of tech companies, it, it's uh, varying levels, but there is usually a component of self-advocacy uh, mm. to the promotional cycles. And yes. in some cases, it's a relatively large piece of self-nomination and those things. And those things come a lot harder to women. So mm -hmm. again, this is not victim blaming. This is this is how yeah. society has conditioned women to act. But so there's a strong correlation between the not being seen seen and heard as much because that means yes, your results uh, aren't seen and heard as much, and you are probably in a position where you don't feel like uh, yes. uh, like like calling out a lot of attention to hey, look what I done. Huh? Because everything's been a battle, right? If you're struggling yeah. to get seen and heard, it's a battle. So why would you want to raise the flag and say, hey, look at how great yeah. I am? It's yeah. just, it just is more, more exhaustion. Um, I, I, one of the things I'm, I'd love to talk about is how as women leaders, I do not want to make women more like men. Like that is not what I'm here for. I think no. there is enough of that. You know, you must lean in. You must be more assertive. You know, I've just used the assertive point earlier. I do not want women to be more like men. In fact, I think our superpower as leaders in technology is that we are different. If I make every woman I work with more masculine, I'm, in, I'm taking away that superpower. I'm taking away the very yeah. asset that they bring to the company. And so while I do hope that women do learn to be assertive in their own way, I also hope that companies are changing their promotion practices, their policies for how they hold meetings so that everybody's heard, not just women, but also the other people in the room, men, 
obviously, but, you know, anybody else in the room who is not being heard. On average, women are more likely to not be heard, but there's a whole group of other people who don't fit into that stereotype of loud and brash and able to just stand up and get acknowledged. And I think we're also here to change change the way technology operates, right, as an industry. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it is the most important industry for us to change because it's the the one that defines our lives mm-hmm. already and mm-hmm. going forward, right? Yeah. So, the, so when we talk about changing society, mm-hmm. tech is where it needs to happen. This is, I mean, or yeah. at least that's that's a huge part of it. And somehow, I it's shocking to see that the old boys' club of the of the twentieth century was just replaced in certain instances by bro culture. Um, yes. and it's, it's still male pale Yale and uh, <laughs> yes. that's, yeah. that's the, the thing where the struggle is real and it will take a while and it's even mm-hmm. harder, the more boxes you tick, like if you, yeah. if you tick the, the, the gender, not male box, if you tick the not white box, if you tick the not cis, not straight box. The, the more of the not this thing, the uh, boxes, the harder it is. But I also see that, for instance, um, I'm, a Ge- I'm Gen X. Uh, what I see in the millennials and admire, and that ties in with we don't want women to become men. We also, we don't want that generation uh, to, to become like, like generations before them. They already have a stronger sense of this is what I need for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that gets that gets that gets dissed a lot mm. but i think overall it's a very good development because there's yeah. no self-trust in that absolutely i'm hoping that what we're seeing is a generation change in which women are more empowered more enabled to be like this is what i need yeah. and that's not a bad thing whereas i think previous generations this make putting ourselves first is such a terrible idea like a lot of the mindset work I do with Mm -hmm. clients in you know the more established generation which is of course as an executive coach on average if you're an executive you're more likely to be a bit older not always there are always exceptions to every rule and I think there is more like you're expecting sexism microaggressions and you're more likely to acquiesce you're more likely to want to people please you've had to undo more of that conditioning to get to be an executive, I think. Which actually brings us, let's talk about daily sexism and microaggressions. That was number three. Tell tell us a little bit, Mika, like you were a little bit surprised by this particular result. Tell me um, where that surprise came from. I, I was surprised that uh, the numbers were, our numbers were relatively similar on three mm-hmm. of those points, but they were very different on this one. I had very low numbers on people choosing that as the the main problem and your numbers were a lot higher. So for you, it was the second highest and for me, it was the lowest. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, we're not talking about data where we can actually draw a statistical conclusion. Mm -hmm. So this is really, this is really just on a very small scale. What I think is that uh, this caters a little to, I don't know. It's it's might be an age thing because I surely have seen my fair share of uh, mm-hmm. 
sexist comments, people touching my butt. And, and I mean, like, yeah, yeah, all, all these things and finding it okay. Uh, so I think there's an age thing there uh, because mm -hmm. sexism was something that or is something that has been discussed widely and, and uh, for maybe way, yeah, definitely way longer than some of these other points. So um, yeah. There might be an age aspect to it. Uh, there might also be a regional aspect to it because being on the West Coast now, having been here for 10 years, I'm highly sensitive to sexist, uh, non-inclusive language. And I see uh, when I work with people in Europe, I often still see things like, you know, you can't say this. Not if you're also sending mm -hmm. that to, to American clients or whatever. So I don't know. I don't want to say Europe is behind on that, but I'm also mm -hmm. in Seattle and we know that uh, the West Coast is highly sensitive about these issues. So we're definitely, um, yeah, mm -hmm. I think probably uh, whatever whatever flies here is okay uh, for everybody else. So maybe that that's part of it. I don't know. Do you see, what what are you seeing here? I see a real mix and obviously I work extensively with women both in the US and Europe there is a real mixture um mm -hmm. and like you I think it's very easy to draw dangerous conclusions and we just do not have the data but certainly anecdotally I would say there is more acceptance of casual everyday sexism in Europe than there mm -hmm. is in the US I think even beyond that though I think it's very regional and so I, I wouldn't I'm not yeah. an expert in this. I'm not proclaiming to be, but I think that's something really interesting to explore. I think the other thing I've definitely personally experienced is that as I've got older, I think there's less sexism now than there was mm -hmm. when I was earning my career. Right. I see it more now. And that mm -hmm. hasn't just been because of my work as a coach. That was true before I became a coach when I was working as an executive. I think when I was younger, I was more naive and thought, it isn't that bad. I listen to the stories of my mother and what she went through. And I think, yeah, I've got it easy. And yeah. then my career progressed and I thought, wait, hold on. That there, that was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think some of what we might be seeing might be not just that the old generation did experience more. Absolutely. But I also think that as we get older, we see things more because the rose-tinted yeah. glasses come off a little bit. We get frustrated at not being seen and heard, at having to do more work than our peers, and we start seeing, oh, wait, hold on, there's some sexism going on. Then we start looking for the evidence, mm -hmm. and suddenly it's like, boom. It's like when you decide to buy a red car and you start seeing red cars everywhere. When you right. decide that something matters, you start seeing it. And mm -hmm. I think that's certainly what happened with me I was like looking around for a reason why things were stalling, why I was hitting the glass ceiling. And suddenly I saw every day microaggressions and sexism, the microaggressions that I've just been brushing off and, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts kind of things. And suddenly I was like, holy right. heck, you know, deer in the headlights. I'm like, this is this is everywhere. So I do wonder how much of it is that as well. I don't have you got anything else you want to add to that one? I know we're totally behind schedule here. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think that is so much a social problem that mm. uh, we don't need to dig deeper into that right now because uh, 
there's there, there's a lot of studies and data out there that probably mm -hmm. and, and that's mm -hmm. the one where changing your mindset definitely doesn't do anything that's a social problem no. I definitely, I mean, the one thing I would say if people are experiencing this and they need something to get unstuck, the one thing I would say is don't feel bad that you feel this way, irrespective of what other people yep. are telling you. That's what I had to acknowledge is that yep. this is valid. I feel that this is happening to me. Don't make it wrong just because you can't do anything about it. Um, there are things we can have another discussion about that. DM me if you want to have a chat about that one. There are things you can do, but I think the most important thing is feel validated if that's your experience don't make it wrong yep. don't make it you know mean more than it does but if that's your experience like it's true and it means a lot more about the the people who who do these things and about our society mm -hmm. than it does about you that's for sure 100% yeah sadly let's talk about number four then lack of role models so this came in lowest 14% mm -hmm. Um, I think for definitely for me, lower than I thought it was going to be. I mean, this is something that's talked about a lot is having the right kind of role models. A lot of women in STEM movements are like, we need more women to have those role models for young girls and all the way through. It's something that's talked about a lot. And yet, certainly with the women that were answering our poll who, you know, mid and uh, mid career onwards, potentially, that was just not such a big deal. What were your thoughts on this? Mika? Um, again, that's, this is guesswork again. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel that a lot of the younger women I'm meeting here, uh, they might not have many role models, but mm -hmm. how many role models do you need? I mean, so yes. that's, so that's like, if you find one or two people you can look up to and follow and see what they do, that might be enough. So the overall number I mean, there's no question the overall number of women in highly visible roles uh, that come with the respective power to make mm -hmm. decisions is way too low. But I think uh, people, uh, young women especially, have been, at least around here, very encouraged for quite a while now to find a mentor, uh, to, to find a role model, so maybe... Maybe that's, mm -hmm. that's something uh, because it has been discussed so much. Maybe yeah. there's a change there. There are a lot more mentoring programs, which uh, are a good thing, but it's not the solution. No. I think I think the one thing when we were having a discussion about this before the live stream, um, you mentioned a really important point, which is part of the burden of us as women is we need more women making certain decisions, in particular on hiring committees. There you've got both yeah. the diversity of the person, people making the decisions and more women on the committee, but also a woman on the committee being visible and therefore being a role model and the number of clients who I have who will not take a job if they don't meet women during the hiring process right mm -hmm. the problem is with that we're being asked to be mentors with all these things that we do as women to address this there is this cost to being a woman to being one of only a handful of women in the room which is this additional burden, and also quite often the DEI work, diversity, equity, inclusion work, we have this burden on us to fix all of this 
and yet still deliver extraordinary results, which we're held to our highest standard on. I think this is where it really starts to hit home hard and why, like this live stream is described as, it is tough being the only one in the room. We have to operate at a different level to our male peers. Would you agree with that, Mika? Absolutely. Uh, I'm sure you've had these conversations uh, as much as I have, uh, especially among women who have reached higher levels. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. are in, inundated in requests to, to, to speak, to mentor, to, to do all these things. And of course, they want to. They want to set the elevator back down, but mm-hmm. they still have a regular job to do. They yeah. are head of head of something. And the head is mm-hmm. uh, and this is not head of mentoring or head of role mm-hmm. modeling. So yeah. there's an actual job involved that uh, is full time. And so there's just a limit to um, how many of the requests people can fulfill. The hiring committee, I think, is an is a huge lever. Because, yeah. because we all tend to favor people who look like us and Mm -hmm. uh, it's just yeah it's our it's part of our unconscious bias system and of course gender is a huge part of of that Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a it's an important lever on the other hand it doesn't make sense to I don't know just just uh, get a a token woman from HR from, from HR or marketing on an engineering hiring committee, yeah. right? So yeah. uh, it it is a tricky one and uh, that's a slow process mm-hmm. again. Yeah. It is. I mean, I do, like, we're, we're going to move to, like, where, what we can do because what I don't want to finish this on is yeah. the negativity of, oh, my God, this is all doom and gloom. I am mm-hmm. very much a believer that there are silver linings, which is why our yes. final part of this three-part live stream, which is in two weeks today, we're going to talk about the opportunity of being the only woman in the room because it would be very easy to have this conversation and think, oh my goodness, why am I, why am I even here? Why am I bothering? There are yeah. some actually in our, in my opinion, there are real silver linings to being the only woman in the room, right? And I want everybody listening to embrace that. But let's finish off today with like, what can we do? Where can we start? And I've got three topics I want us to dig into briefly. Okay. Allyship, which we've already talked about a little bit, but let's wrap that one up. Confidence and self-advocacy. So Vicka, which mm-hmm. one, where do you want to start with those three? Allyship, confidence, and self-advocacy. I think we can handle the allyship relatively quickly because we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to encourage people, uh, if they are with bigger companies, to really, really take advantage of their ERGs, employee resource mm-hmm. groups, uh, or to set one up I mean, even at big yeah. companies, there might not be a resource group uh, for your people, however you define your people, right? So if that group doesn't exist yet, I know it's, again, more work. But uh, it is it, it will benefit you and everybody else who feels called to that uh, a lot. So that's the, the thing I think we haven't mentioned about allyship yet is the ERGs and I, I see them playing a huge role in these efforts. Hugely. Yeah. It, it is hitting the point of allies don't need to just be men, right? Allies can mm-hmm. be other women. They can be some of the best allies I've had have been senior female colleagues who have 
literally pulled me up, right? And right. and lifted me through something which I was struggling to get through. So allyship isn't just about the white male who often are very powerful allies, don't get me wrong, no. but it doesn't have to no. just be that. No. Okay, let's talk about confidence. And in particular, my thing here, I don't like using this word because it feels uncomfortable to me as a Brit, but working with Americans, this is a word that I think resonates very well, is to brag more. I think we all need to be speaking more about how amazing we are. I have no problem saying that bit. I just, the word brag kind of gets into my skin. See, that's my conditioning going on. <laughs> I am yet to meet a woman. Oh my goodness me, I can't wait to this. I am yet to meet a woman who has too big an ego. I say this all the time. I am seriously, I, I'm sure there is a woman out there who has too big an ego, but I'm yet to meet her. So brag more. Go on, go ahead, Nika, because there's a, there's a great thing going on there. This is this is something I want to show uh, people as a really practical step. This is my confident jar. Oh, beautiful. And uh, actually, I mean, I have that only because we are a minimalist household. So every object has to just pick a box apart from the art on the walls. So my husband wanted to get rid of these things like we're not using that. I'm like, oh, I'm totally using this. <laughs> and I had to make up something on the fly. And then I, I didn't want a gratitude jar because I, I write my gratitudes as I journal in the morning. So uh, and I'm like, it's my compliment jar, success jar, whatever. And so I've had this for a couple of years now. And sometimes I use it more, sometimes I use it less. But that's how you start. You, mm. you, you tell yourself what you've done well on yeah. a, on a, daily or regular basis and then you tell the mirror and then you tell your family your loved ones your friends and then it becomes easier to do it with others and I also uh, I also want to mention on your segueing on your comment here I always that I always confident is my main topic so I always get that question about overconfidence how to avoid being overly confident and I'm like if you're worried about that it is not happening it is absolutely mm -hmm. not happening I'm not even sure if overconfidence is really a thing I think that's just like really fake um but I agree with that people yeah. always think that there is such a thin line between humble and arrogant or overconfident and I always tell yep. people, no, it's like an eight-lane highway. You do not cross an eight-lane highway in a second by mistake. There's mm -hmm. a lot of room uh, between humble and, and arrogant. And if you're worried about that, you will never reach that other end. So not anyway. If you're, if, yeah. So I bet most women feel like they are bragging like crazy when they haven't even reach the midpoint of that highway a hundred percent oh my goodness me it's so true which actually ties in beautifully with the final piece which is self-advocacy my thought here was don't be afraid of repeating yourself i think part of being seen and heard is is being okay with saying the same thing two three four five times i had i only learned that as a business owner <laughs> it took me being a business owner and realizing people didn't read my emails, then I had to send the same thing five times for somebody to read the email. I think if I'd embraced that earlier on in my career, I would have gone so much further faster. But it mm -hmm. is also the confidence to do that, to say, hey, I'm here. 
pay attention to what I just did, to my idea, to my invention, to my impact, my results. Be okay with repeating yourself. Be okay with telling everybody how great you are. Because like Mikra and I are saying, there's an eight lane highway. You're not, you're unlikely, very, very unlikely to be the person you're afraid of becoming. Yeah. Okay. And I would love to close with one thing. We all spend so much time beating ourselves up over what we perceive as failure. Mm. Take a fraction of that time when something works out to celebrate yourself. A hundred percent. Yeah. Even if it's just sitting there for one minute and say, wow, that worked out really well. Just mm-hmm, to, to mm-hmm. help your brain develop those neural pathways that say, oh, it's safe to be happy about what I do. It's safe to be proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I love that. All right. Well, um, we are running out of time rapidly here. So I want to just wrap up with talking about our next session. We are, we are absolutely honored to be joined by four extraordinary women for our session same time next week. So that's Tuesday the 24th at 5 p.m. UK, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, um, or watch the replay. But we have Trish Danproger, who is, she's just changed companies and I cannot for the life of me remember where she's moved to, HPE. I hope I got that right. Alex Han, Margaret Dawson. Um, Alex is at Google, Margaret Again, I can't remember. I should have prepped this one better. And Rika <laughs> Bansell. Um, maybe you can help me there, Mika. Um, but these four extraordinary women are going to be joining us. And we are going to be digging into opportunities. We, we're going to be talking about that for the next two sessions. But we're going to talk to women who have done simply extraordinary things in their career. There's a real mixture of what they've done in their career as well. So we've got something for everybody there. And talking about what it means to be the only woman in the room and how that's actually an opportunity. So I do hope that you will join us. Make there anything to add on that one? Maybe you can remember their organizations because I cannot. <laughs> uh, definitely. Alex is at Google. Rita is at uh, Amazon. Uh, oh, yes. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, I want to encourage people, if you, if you, if you see this, uh, send us your questions. And we can, yes. and we are happy to ask your questions of these four amazing women too. Yeah, I, I should have said that. Thank you so much for adding that in. Um, and just to wrap this up, that goes for anything. If you want to ask us a question about this live stream, you want a question that we put to the panel next week, or you just have something random you want to share with us, this is a topic so dear to our hearts. That's why we're doing this special live stream series anything goes if you've heard something today that you disagree with send us a note like we are these kind of women we are happy to have any kind of discussion there is no bad question so until next week we wish you a wonderful week ahead and we hope that you will join us this time next week for our panel on being the only woman in the room bye for now thank you bye bye If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.